The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited double miles on every purchase every day. What's in your wallet? Damian Woody on payback for Gronk potentially happening this weekend. What that's all about. We have a mystery guest that I don't know about. One hour to go. The last one here, the Rosillo Show, ESPN Radio and ESPN News. And I have a close that I've been working on, and we're going to see how that goes, too. But I do want to take a couple calls. We do know the show is over. The show is over. It's Christmas vacation. I've got nothing going on this weekend, so no preview. I'm going to go home and go see my my family. So that's the weekend preview on the Rosillo Show, brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit us at geico.com or call. 1-800-947-AUTO. Speaking of calls, let's take a couple calls. We've got a couple lined up here. 888-729-3776. We'll just have some fun here, see how it goes. We'll start with Bill in L.A. Hey, Ryan. First time, long time. Thanks, man. Uh, Wanted to see if you thought the Celtics might trade for Anthony Davis. All right, so we're going to do these kind of calls. Um, Let's see. I think they'd love to, Bill, but... If I'm the Pelicans, I'm going to try to probably exhaust. Like, I can't trade Davis until I know that he's disgruntled. So until Davis complains, I'm just going to keep moving along. But don't you think the Celtics would probably have enough assets to pull it off if they wanted to? Well, you know, I'm a big Celtics fan. I would be really concerned if Tatum was in the trade just because of, you know, Davis's injury history, stuff like that. But i got to be honest, Ryan, I really like the Celtics team. I really do. I don't want them to trade for Anthony Davis if they have to mortgage the farm because you look at Kyrie, you look at the young guys, you look at the picks they have coming, the fact that they're probably not going to win the title this year anyway. I just wouldn't do it. I love Tatum too. But are you one of those Celtics fans that feel like you think Marcus Smart's going to be able to shoot at some point? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not actually. Although I do think Marcus Smart still has a like a one in five chance of maybe being the best player from that draft. If you actually look at how that draft plays out. No, you're right. Uh, that draft's been a little disappointing. You know, I, I, I just think I wouldn't – if Davis became available for whatever reason, it would have to come from him. And I can't imagine he would do it this year. I would think it would be this summer. And at that point, then you got to figure out, could it be a Jalen Brown, all these picks, what else needs to be in it? I think Kyrie and Tatum, I think those guys are untouchable, though. Don't you? Yeah, I would – I'm – convinced Tatum is going to be a multiple-time All-Star, and I feel like Ainge, who had to deal with all of this hatred, one, just because he's Ainge, two, because it's the Celtics, and hey, a guy was patient and everybody got mad at him back in Boston. I don't know how well you know the Boston area, but the talk shows there were crushing crushing him all the time. And then along comes Tatum in the spot where when I would watch the stuff before the draft, i go, why is Fultz just clearly better than all these other guys? Like, I like Fultz, but why don't people talk about Tatum? And then in one... Quick off season, everybody that thought Ainge was terrible, it's like, okay, maybe he's pretty good. So I would be reluctant to trade him, but it's still Anthony Davis. I are you uh like I imagine you well, must love Jalen Brown. I do. Do you give I him think, Tommy points I think at you'd home? have to give up one of those yeah, you get some Tommy points. I think you'd have to give up one of those two guys in a trade. But what's interesting about Ainge, he's made probably four of the best trades of the past ten years. You know, KG. Definitely uh, the the KG Paul Pierce Brooklyn trade, and then the two this summer I think have to be like for the top twelve. And yet at the same time, 
Same guy who almost traded two first-round picks for Robert Swift. You know, same guy who was ready to mortgage the farm for Justice Winslow. Same guy who was trying desperately to trade for Paul George on draft night and ended up falling into Kyrie a couple months, a couple weeks later. You need luck with this stuff, you know. And I think he's made great trades. He has certainly done more with this Celtics team than I think anybody ever could imagine after 2012. Well, normally but you yeah. also need some luck. Normally we would never take a call this long, but you seem to know your stuff. Uh, I, I mean, all right. So let me let me throw this out. Yeah. Would do you think Presty, if the Thunder are a middling team before the trade deadline, he would trade mm. George to the Rockets or the Cavs to mess with Durant's quest for another ring? Oh, like a spite trade? Yeah, a revenge trade. Do we even have those oh, yet? No. Like he loses mind? Oh, that's interesting. I was thinking, if I don't know if Philly can ever turn it around. Like they're not a playoff team right now. If the season ended today, and who knows if Embiid can ever play sixty games? But they have the expirings and the extra assets that if they just have to fire sale Paul George, maybe you send him to Philly. And if he's on Philly and they have Embiid and Simmons and Reddick and Covington and Sarge. And a whole bunch of other things. They're suddenly like kind of a dangerous seven seed, eight seed if it beats on the court. And then maybe that's a team that signs him, you know, this summer. My question is, I like what the Lakers have. I, I they play good teams really hard. You know, they, they they beat Houston. They almost beat Boston. They almost beat Golden State. And do you go to you know, a lot of the games? Sounds like you do. Uh, I, I I I've seen some on TV here in the LA. It's that's an expensive like ticket. To go to the games. Yeah, it's an no, expensive ticket. Yeah. But everybody thinks LeBron's coming here, and if he is coming here, who goes? How do you create the cap space? Why would he go there? I, I think Houston, if he's ever going to leave Cleveland, Houston has materialized as a much more interesting option. On the other hand, he owns two houses in Brentwood. So so why would he have two houses in Brentwood worth a combined like $43 million if he wasn't actually going to play here? This summer, I think, is going to be – we say this every year. I think this summer is going to be the craziest NBA summer. This is going to top them all. Whatever happens, I'm, I'm prepared for anything. Well, you seem real passionate about it. I, I, yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know what you do for a living. By the way, I could be coming out to L.A. Are there some good spots I should check out? I heard about this hot dog place I saw on Instagram all the time. Is that one of the cool places? Yeah, a little overrated. Well, we got two NBA teams here. We have some college teams. I think you'll be fine. You know, I want to say, like, uh, I was lucky enough to be there for Larry Bird retirement night hosted by Bob Costas. It was like three hours long. This show, it feels like that. It's, it's evokes some memories for me. Kind of feels the same, the same level of, uh, you get the story, story people coming in, telling stories, rehashing the last few years, same level of emotion. You can feel it in the, in the airwaves. Yes, that was a long, I wanted to do a two hour show, but. You, I guess we were locked into one to four. Uh, Bill in LA, thank you. That was that was a good. That's one of the best calls we've ever taken. We don't have any time for any other calls now. I I apologize. Next next we got uh, Damian Woody. Damian Woody on the revenge game against Gronk. Special surprise guest. And I asked Saru, I go, am I going to like it? And I got kind of a yeah, I think you will. It wasn't an emphatic. Yes, you're going to love it. So I'm a little nervous. And we'll close it out. Three more segments. Priscilla Show, ESPN Radio. In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done 
starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. Now, there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it. A guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. I have to go to the gym and untangle my headphones while warming up on the treadmill. And I'll finally untangle them four miles later, at which point I'm going to be real tired. Oh, yeah. Motorcycles make everything exciting. And when Geico makes it easy to switch and save on motorcycle insurance, it's even more exciting. And once I put my headphones in, I'll realize my phone's dead. Then I get to run in silence. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. We do have a special goodbye. Last Rosillo show, ESPN Radio, ESPN News. Kenny Garai, who just attacked me in the hallway to say goodbye, uh, is going to share it with the entire audience here. Mr. Ryan Rosillo, heck of a friend, heck of a brother. Why are you leaving the station? I mean, you failed to check with me before any of this. I would have made you a huge counter offer. I got all the money in the world I could pay you. But I guess the decision has been made. Um... Thanks for making me a star. I went from political refugee to American radio star. When you guys decided to do the sketch of the Dos Lobos back then with um, Stanford Steve. It's been a heck of a run, man. Um, give my best to your father, good friend of mine, Robert, fluent in Spanish, and whom I talk to like once a month at least. Um, all the best in your new adventure. I know you're going to do good. Answer my calls. Remember, Kenny Garay. Kenny Garay, because now the way things are going, you're going to get so big that everybody's going to try to filter you. So, you know, I might call looking for a job sooner or later. Um, Listen, this we love you. Minute. The whole family, the wife, Cecilia, Sebastian, Felipe, all of us. I brought you a little present um, from the bottom of my heart. Two sacks of pajamas. One, a Miami Hurricanes pajama. Another one in Miami Dolphins pajama. Just because I don't want you to ever, ever sleep naked again. That'll be kind of risky. So don't let it happen. I love you, man. You're the best. Keep it up. And keep climbing up that hill. Remember, us the poor. Later. Oh, I was like, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, there we go. There we go. Good. I'm glad he did that. That was funny. Uh, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. I don't, I don't know how to, so I'm, I don't have a great transition for it, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it. We had, um, Brewski in with us earlier, and I'm going like, okay, wh- what should Gronk be worried about here? What can, you have, ever have a game like this where you go in? Like, we had Ryan Clark in here and said, Tredavious White, the whole, he said, the whole hood's going to be looking for Gronk in this matchup after what he did to Tredavious White. Have you had any kind of game like this? What do you expect? Um, no, I've never had a game like that. Um, this is different, right? It feels a little different. It's a little different. Listen, the Patriots, they want to keep everything kind of even keel throughout Mm -hmm. the week, but make no mistake about it. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be 
emotionally charged as this, you know, in this game. There's no question about it. The Patriots usually show their emotions on the field anyway. All you got to do is watch Brady and Gronk and those guys. They, you know, they tend to show that. But I listen, the, the Bills going to have their hands full anyway. I, I think the only way you try to bring the whole hood out is, is, is go low on Gronk. I mean, that's really the only thing you can do because other than that, he's just a total mismatch. Did you ever have somebody you wanted to get? Yeah, yeah. I, dude, I got, <clears throat> I think it was 2000, what was it, 2003. We traded Drew Bledsoe, and we played Buffalo in the first, I think, the first game. Yeah, it was early. It was, yeah, it was the first game of the year. We got destroyed 31 nothing. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's after you guys got rid of Lawyer Malloy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, dude, um, London Fletcher. Tom threw an interception to Sam Adams, big defensive tackle. He's rumbling down the sideline. I'm literally right on his tail, about to you know make the tackle. And London Fletcher, linebacker, played a long time in the NFL, literally circled me up and destroyed me. That whole, that play was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He killed I, you. He yeah. destroyed me. We've talked I mean, about this. Yeah. Like I was, I was like. I think I was on Earth Prime or like an alternate Earth or something like that. And, and, dude, I wanted to get him back so bad. But you know what? Every time I saw him after that, he apologized every time. Every time. Cool. For okay. But you still. So you I still wanted. No, I still wanted. To, I, would, I still I wanted to kill him on the. I still yeah. wanted to kill him on the field. But he tried. I think he tried to beat me to the punch by just apologizing every time. <laughs> <laughs> I would have. Try to get him back. I, I remember that, though, because it was one of those deals where you were chasing down the pick return, and it was kind of like, look, you don't even need to hit me because Sam's getting there. Big Sam Adams. A brewery. Uh, <laughs> dude, I was drinking Gatorade on the Bills sideline. All I remember was Drew Drew, and everybody like, what, you all right? I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm all right. And I got up and I ran to the Bills sideline, and then that's when everybody was like, uh, we might need to take you to the hospital. You grabbed a Gatorade. I grabbed a Gatorade and, and started drinking it. And I'm like, why is everybody looking at me crazy? And then I started looking. I'm like, wait a minute. These guys aren't wearing the same colors that I am. So, yeah, I was pretty pretty messed up. Okay. That Steelers game, I actually feel like you should feel good about it if you're Pittsburgh. Now, granted, you're miserable about the way the call went and all that stuff. But you know that there's this mental thing with New England and Pittsburgh. You would imagine. I mean, the Steelers can say whatever they want. But the whole point is it doesn't feel like you can ever really get past them. And now home field, we know that that's going to be in play here still, but it feels like you're going to have the tiebreaker if you're New England. But did you see enough from that to go, you know what, I could still see myself picking Pittsburgh if they face up in the AFC? Absolutely, because I, I think the one thing I, I liked um, about the Steelers in that game is how they adjusted after Antonio Brown went out. I mean, Antonio Brown is a legit MVP candidate. That's how dominant he's been this season. And Pittsburgh, once he went out, they adjusted accordingly, and they and they were told they were going blow for blow with New England. Usually, with a lot of teams, you know, outside of New England, they don't teams don't deal they they don't handle that situation well where they, one of their key cogs is missing. But give credit to the Steelers; they adjusted. Damian Woody, Rosillo Show at ESPN Radio. Young Sheldon, in or out? It's out because I haven't even watched it. Not even now. I didn't know that young Sheldon was the young dude who Sheldon in the Big Bang Theory. This just was alerted to me. Uh, did you know that? I didn't know that, but I was. Now it makes I was sense. really, I was really intrigued when I saw like the commercials before it started coming on. But then I just, I think I just, I woke up and I'm like, wait a minute, am I really going to watch this? 
No. And I, I just didn't watch it. I haven't watched an episode of it. Punisher. I am all in on Punisher. Are you done with it yet? Yeah, I'm done with it. That thing gets graphic. You think it's graphic in the beginning. It, the second I, to last episode. See, I like gore and all that type of stuff. It yeah. was it was fantastic. I th- didn't we have a discussion about he should have been bigger? Yeah, yeah, I had a problem with him being smaller than microchip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, if you're going you're gonna to be this ty- that type of guy, like. You can't be like a you, defensive back. You can't be like as small as like my son. That 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 wouldn't be good. I've seen that guy in person too. We were at the same coffee shop. I didn't say hi because I just didn't. I didn't want to be in his business. But I was like, man, he's small. But I did do he, like him. Did he need to hit the weight room? No, he's pretty jacked up. But I mean, frame is frame, right? You know that, right? Is, was he like? Is he like five six? Like he? Just I don't know tiny? if he's that small, but he's he's shorter. You can't be called. You can't be the punishing. You like five like five seven. But it still worked. It was a good show. So I don't, want to, yeah, I don't want to beat up on John. <laughs> you know who he is because he's from – Sarudi's a huge fan of this guy. John, do you know his last name? We're going to look it up here. I think it's a B, but he was he was pretty good. All right, um, next show. Can't wait for Billions. Of course. Billions is your number one show right now? Billions is my top show. Goat show, though. Not a show about goats. What's your greatest of all time? My greatest of all time show? John Bernthal. <sighs> wow. Boom. Uh, greatest of all time. Show. Benson. Benson is good. Um, I'm just guessing. Cosby is always like one of like one of my go one of more my than Family show. Ties for you. Family Ties was fantastic. Hey, but I just you know, I, I, I Family Ties. Family Ties over yeah. Cosby in a total upset here. Family Ties. That surprised there's, me. There's a few shows like MacGyver. The what about MacGruber? No, forget a MacGruber. Did you see MacGruber? Yes, like it's no. Uh, it, it doesn't give, it a, give no. it a second watch. Will you do that fa- do that favor for me. Give it a second watch. Yeah, that's my Christmas present that I want from you. Watch MacGruber a second time. But why we bounce off MacGyver? Like you're not a fan of like Mac- the old MacGyver? The old MacGyver is incredible. We were yeah. we were at recess trying to build rocket ships. Yeah. After that. Imagine that pitching that show. Hey, here's the deal. He's going to wear a vest. He's going to have some awesome hockey hair. He's just going to be good with little <laughs> trinkets. He's going to be great. Have you? Be, do you remember the show? Um, what is it called? Airwolf. Did you remember that? Are show? you? Do I know Airwolf? Dude, bro, I like, owned it. Dude, that that show right there. That was that was my show. <laughs> like I still remember the theme music from that show. Like the that that the helicopter was like a jet. Like that. Oh, was, that wasn't that even was, a real. That wasn't street legal. It, it, it yeah. was crazy. Yeah, we were so simple back then because you just be like, "What's this show about?" And be like, "I don't know," but there's this sick helicopter. helicopter yeah. yeah, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that other helicopter too, Blue Thunder. Remember that one? Okay. Mm, I don't know. Uh, Everything uh, just sort of fell you, apart there. Like you just, you just totally destroyed my mood just now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you for uh, hanging out. All these years, and I I consider you a friend, man. So oh thanks. man, man, this is uh, this has been real, man. Going to miss you on here. Yeah, I'll yeah. keep in touch though. Yeah, we'll, I'll come on to L.A. and kick it. Done, done. We'll hit, done. Ven- we'll hit Venice Beach or something. Yeah, we get a workout in. Yeah, you and I. <laughs> That's Damian Woody. <laughs> Tweet the show at Rosilla Show one hundred Twitter feed. Uh, I have a finale that I've written out, and I have a guest coming up who they've said they will not tell me who it is for over a day, so I don't even know who it is. So there's your tease. It's ESPN Radio. Nobody's gonna stop me No, nothing is beyond me 
Now that Human Resources VP Meg Ward has Kronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, she's totally owning it at work. She even has her own hype song. I'm going to blow it up now. My workforce is really diverse. You know, different hours, different skill sets, different pay grades. We're motivating and engaging the right people every step of the way. Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce. Learn more at kronos.com slash HR swagger. Okay, so just so everybody knows, I have I have no idea who this guest is going to be. I want to thank Sarudi here in the side, and I feel like if I want to thank everybody, it'd be an entire segment. But uh, the people here that know how I feel about him, uh, they know how I feel about him. If I haven't reached out yet, I'll be reaching out again. But Sarudi, in the beginning of the week, man, I wasn't sure what the plan was going to be. I thought maybe I'd just do a normal show because I wasn't sure I wanted to do a three-hour show that was kind of like this. But, hell, it's the last show, so let's do it. And I want to thank you so much, man. You are a guy that I've been able to call at times where I go, hey, is this segment going to work or talk me through this? And you are so talented because you can pick up on which direction I need to go to finish the thought where I'm halfway through the segment idea. And then you come to my office and we sit there and we laugh about stuff. And then you get me to the finish point of where I need to go. And that is so rare that you can do that with guys that are on the air. So thank you. The Rosillo Show on ESPN Radio uh, presented by Progressive Insurance. Customers who switch to Progressive save an average of $500. Call or click today to find out if we could save you hundreds on your car insurance. There you go. Okay, I don't know who it is. So what do we got? Hello, Ryan. How are you this fine afternoon? Hey, Dad. I had a I had a feeling it was you and... Who's left? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm I'm pumped. I because you know what? When I saw the special guest thing, I go, you know what? I should have done is is had my dad be part of this last day because you've been a part of every day and the first day. So, um, you know, I was just trying to make you proud, man. Well, that's great, Ryan. And I wanted to share a few things with your substantial audience. Uh, what makes you tick and how you got to where you got you uh, got in the career that you chose. And I'll start with when you were ten years old. And I brought you onto the construction sites, and of course, you were one of the hardest workers there. And every day we listened to Mike and Mike all afternoon, every day for years. And I had no idea at the time you must have been listening to every minute because those guys proved to be great mentors for you. And the the irony of it was two Boston uh, diehard sports fans listening to two guys from New York talk about the Yankees and Mets. But then we were always rewarded with when the uh, Final Four came or the World Series. These guys knew what they were doing, and you were definitely paying attention. So if anyone's interested, those two guys were a huge influence at you starting at 10 years old. Yeah, Mike and the dog. Mike and the dog, because Mike and Mike aren't 100. But I okay, just... Mike and the mad dog. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. And then, a long time ago. How cool was it when I got to <laughs> – when I hosted the 30 for 30 down in Greenwich for our, our film group down there, and it was the director, it was, it was Connor Shell, it was all these different people, and then it was, it was the dog. And I had, I had run into the dog at the Jacksonville Super Bowl over a decade ago, and I went up to him and said, I just want to let you know that, you know, the reason I'm doing this is 
is a lot because of you. And we used to be so excited about it. And the construction guys would get so mad on the site. But luckily at that point, you were successful enough to own the company. And we just told yeah, them sorry. Resigned and we were running the show, you and me. <laughs> and we were going to listen to what we wanted to. And yeah. So then it worked out pretty well. <laughs> but the, the coolest part was that I then met him after I hosted the whole thing. And, and Mad Dog was was different with me like chris russo was, was basically like oh hey all right yeah cool like you really were invested in this thing and then i mentioned as i did the presentation here it was my dad and i diehard red sox fans like my dad snuck me into a bar in the 86 world series uh i almost got trampled getting tickets we were there for game two of the alcs you brought me to see chris mullen tear up yukon and basically everybody tear up yukon back in those big east days and that's why i cry when i watch Requiem for a dream the end of the big east but you you and I were listening to these guys all the time. And then when I, I said, like, we would rather listen to them talk about New York teams that we despised because their show was so good. And then after the fact, and this is always kind of funny, is after the fact, the director of the movie's like, we should have put you in this thing. And I was like, yeah, that was my point when you guys were filming this whole damn thing. So you were there and you've been there every time where I've been upset or I've been happy. Um, and I can't, you, I'm, I'm me because of you, dad. So that's, everybody knows that that knows me. That's a compliment. Thank you, Ryan. And I, I wanted to bring up uh, when I was on your show last, we were talking about Muhammad Ali after he died. Yeah. And we were talking about what a magnificent warrior he was in the ring and outside in the game of life. And that guy was an inspiration to so many people, and particularly me as a young man. And he inspired me when I had kids to sort of have you guys always stick up for yourselves and, you know, believe in something and then, uh, Go for it. Uh, follow your dream. And um, Muhammad Ali gave that influence to me, and I hope I pass it on to you. In my mind, you're a warrior, Ryan, just like your siblings. And um, you've always worked hard with great determination, and now you're showing a remarkable amount of courage, uh, moving on to something else, another dream. And they say the best hearts are the bravest heart, and right now you're a brave heart to me. And I know that you're doing some of this to gain a little little bit more happiness in your life, which is something maybe we should all strive for. And basically, I'm proud of you. And if I sound like a father, proud father gushing over a son, that's my intentions exactly. And uh, I just, uh, I'm amazed at the amount of accolades you receive. I have no idea the influence you guys on, on television, radio have on other people's lives. Uh, it's just amazing to me. And, uh, just congratulations for everything you've accomplished. I, I mean, I can, you know how I feel, you know, I could say it here and share it with everybody. Um, I've never had somebody, I know your job as a parent is to have your kids back, but you've had my back maybe in times I didn't even deserve it. You know, if there were ever confrontations when we were younger, you would handle it. And as we got older, we would still handle it. And I know sometimes we kind of laugh about how you were never built for the corporate world. And I inherited probably a little bit too much of that as I try to navigate through the corporate world where I would make jokes with you and say, you know, if we had a problem at work, we would just solve it in the driveway. And that's just construction site justice. I mean, that's how that works. And HR doesn't like that kind of stuff. So at times when I'd be frustrated, I have to go back and talk with you, you know, and whatever. I mean, look, look, I, the fact that you got to listen to me for this long, for the 15 years I've been doing it, for the 10 plus at ESPN, you'd be checking in. You'd tell me if I had a terrible segment. You'd tell me which guests you didn't like. You'd tell me which co-host you loved. <laughs> you know, you, you love Van Pelt because of what he did for your son, but you've 
you've always had my back and I just wanted to be somebody that you were proud of. You know, I know I wasn't always, uh, I don't think I was, I was, wasn't, a, you know, I wasn't a bad kid or anything like that. I just, I was determined. I was determined all the time. And, uh, without you having, cause there was times I wanted to quit this before I'd even done anything. I was still in Boston going, this is stupid. I'm making 20 grand a year, dad. I'm broke. You know, like nobody wants to hang out with me. This sucks. And you would say, no, no, you, you can do this. You, you can be good. You just got to keep grinding on it. So you invented grinding before we even knew what it was. No, Ryan, you've always been the hardest worker I've ever met. And I say that in all sincerity and it's paid off and it will continue to pay off. And, um, I don't want to take too long here because I know you have a closing segment, but two things I wanted to say. One is, uh, there were so many people along the way in the Boston area and then at ESPN were kind to you and helped you along the way to get where you got and i appreciate that uh, immensely and i'd be remiss if i didn't mention the name of one person and of course that is scott van pelt who was the first person to really see the talent potential you had and he stuck with you and he's always had you back and to this day still does and if anybody who's looking for inspiration whether it's from ryan or another celebrity type just listen to what Scott Van Pelt has to say once in a while, and you will truly be inspired. And now to end this, uh, man, I just want to tell you one thing. I love you. I love you, Ryan. I love you too, Dad. I'll talk to you tonight. Okay. Have a good one. Take care. I'm so glad that was my dad because I had no idea who else it was going to be. And I thought, you know what? I should have had my dad call in. Um, that's my dad, Robert Rosillo, professional badass. Up next, we gonna have to dump that out. Sorry. Oh, we were gonna let it fly. Okay, uh, my close here, the Rosillo Show, ESPN Radio. An interesting creature inhabits the flat, arid plains of many an automobile dashboard, the bobblehead. It's most agreeable and will nod along to anything, despite having no brain function. But when the bobblehead hears how Geico not only saves people money, but also gives them access to licensed agents 24-7 online and over the phone, he'll nod even more vigorously because he knows you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Easy, bobblehead, easy. You're going to get whiplash. Okay, let's do this. The Rosillo Show. I'm sure uh, some through the first few hours of this. I don't know how it was going to go. You probably start the week. You go, all right, I'd still want to do a normal show, but then that doesn't feel right. And today's been awesome. So I'm going to try to close this out as well as I can. And I guess I'm going to talk about this whole deal and how I feel. And it's not going to be like Wednesday's open. Uh, and I can't emphasize this enough. And I'm not just saying this, but I just feel really great about how everybody's talked to me about it. Uh, management that gets it and they kind of get it and I'm kind of, you know, getting it. And then I have those moments be like, is this really what I want to do? Cause I grew up loving this place. I grew up obsessed with it. I grew up watching it over and over and over again in the morning and thinking Craig Kilborn was the funniest person ever. I thought he was better than comedians, but this journey has been long. Uh, it's been a lot of time, but they don't give these jobs out to the people that don't deserve them. They, they weed you out. Life weeds this all out. Life has a way, like, you know how everybody played little league baseball and then guess what happens? Junior high. And then high school, and then you're in high school, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a kid. That kid used to play like second base, and then he retired at eight. And that's what happens with these jobs because they're hard. They're very hard in the beginning. And I went from the bartender that said, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to work for a team, or I'd like to host my own show, or I'd like to work in tech. Like, I want to do all these things. And they go, hey, how about another Honey Brown, you know? And you'd pour a draft, and you'd sit there, and you'd fantasize about it. And then one day I said, that's it. Screw it. I'm doing it. 
And the only team, as a lot of you already know, was a minor league baseball team that brought me down because I had a deep voice that put me on the air. And I owe a lot to that organization. And as I've mentioned and bummed the guys out, the Trenton Thunder before, I said it was the worst job I've ever had. I don't, I know that comes off as like ungrateful. And if you work there, you go, well, that's not a very nice thing to say. But I think everybody understands that that is a grind of a job and you're not making any money and you're broke and you're looking at your credit score going, we're going to get this thing over 620. So because I had that, I was now a real guy. And anybody listening that wants to do this, if you're not in the air, that's going to be the first major, major hurdle. Somebody actually wants to put you on their network, their airwaves on purpose and then pay you for it. And it's a real thing. And it's easier now in new creative ways that you can even thought of as an option that you could just start your own podcast and hassle people on social media and get them to come on your show. And now next thing you know, you've got this nice guest list. But I ended up in Boston because I was the Boston minor league baseball guy. I was there three years. And it was just a perfect spot for me because the show and the station was terrible, okay? It was falling apart. No one would deny that. But they needed bodies, and they needed guys that could talk all day. And I, luckily, was one of those that could make twenty grand a year and not freak out and get, get divorced. And when I re-signed in Boston, at the time, thought I re-signed, I was going to make hundred grand a year, and I thought I was rich. We're talking boat lifestyle. I couldn't wait. And they laid me off. And lied to me about the contract, and I was devastated. I thought I'd signed a three-year deal, hundred grand a pop, not even thirty years old. Who wants jewelry? And instead, it was actually we lied to you. We're going to lay you off, and it is still, without question, the best thing that's ever happened to me in my professional career because it got me my tryout at ESPN. I asked McShay. I said, "Get me in the door." He goes, "Dude, not happening. It's ESPN. You stunk in Boston. You're, no one even listen to your show." All accurate, Todd, but get me in. He goes, all I can promise you is that I will get a demo to the right guy. That guy's name was Dave Zislowski. Dave called me up. It was ESPN the weekend when they used to send everybody to Disney, and they had no no one here. There was no one here. There was no one here to do the shift. I did a two-hour shift. I was terrible. He said he'd call me on Monday if I was any good. He'd let me know how it went, and it went three weeks without a call. And then he called me after three weeks, and he said, guess what? We need you another Saturday. And it wasn't because I was good. It was because I was available. And had I known then what I knew now, I would have just set up a tent across the street and put out a sign that said, we'll cover game night shifts because the place was so unorganized. By the way, for young people out there, it's not as unorganized now, so don't get a tent across the street at Hershey Lake Compounds. So I'm grinding out for three years. Then Van Pelt likes me. He says, hey, I'm Scott Van Pelt at the salad bar, back when we used to have like a different salad bar set up. I said, I went to UVM. He goes, you must have gotten so high all the time. I said, no, I don't like weed. I didn't even ski, but my name's Ryan. And then I was his co-host, and it was awesome because it was Scott Van Pelt. And even at 30, and 30 is so young if you're listening right now. It's so freaking young. My friends were like, what's Scott Van Pelt like? I said, he's great. He's really cool. And then a few weeks into our relationship, he did an awful job in an interview, and it wasn't his fault. And then I was still mic'd up. And he didn't, he knew that I was talking and I didn't know that he could hear me. And I was screaming at the producer saying, why is he doing this? Why is he doing this? Are you screwing up the interview? Like, what the hell is he doing? And then the email just said, I can hear you bleep. And then we had to talk it out. And he said, here's the deal, man. If you're going to get frustrated with me about the show, tell me what you're frustrated about. Cause I know you know this a little bit better than I do, but don't start screaming about how bad of a job I'm doing in the interview two weeks in when I got you the gig, moron. He was right. And then there was the cool stuff. 
being at LSU the first time and running out to watch the band. And then I became band guy because everybody made fun of me because I was so into the band part of it. I will never forget being at these SEC sidelines and covering college football all over the country and having the perspective I have. Charles Barkley calling in saying, you still spelling your name wrong? My favorite athlete ever calling in to say that about me. Chris Mullen calling me to invite me to the Celebrity All-Star Game, playing in the Celebrity All-Star Game. Brewski walking around and be like, people, like, Brewski doesn't like a lot of, lot, lot of dudes, man. He likes you. Lou Holtz orders two hot dogs on a Saturday in front of me. I said, hey, you know that kicker that beat you from BC that year when you should have won the national championship game? He went to UVM and played soccer and then transferred. And then my dad, who got to listen every day, and as you just heard, he is the man who just called into the show. I've never felt like a star, like a Stephen A., or maybe even a Scott or a Greenie, but I think I was somebody that more people found relatable because of my background and everything I went through, and that's what I wanted to do every day I was on the show. I love this job. I'm going to miss it. And if Netflix doesn't pick up Ghost Dad, the TV series, we'll see what happens. The Rosillo Show, ESPN Radio.